God chooses ordinary people. God chooses and uses ordinary people. I heard a quote that says, those that God used in the past were just ordinary people with an extraordinary master. Those that God used in the past were just ordinary people with an extraordinary master. God is saying to all of us, I got you. I see you. I know you by name. I know where you live. I'll never have to ask you for an ID like most places do. Can you show me some ID? He never has to ask you for an ID because he made you in his image. You are fearfully and wonderfully made, and God does not make any junk. So when I think about the fact that God chooses and he uses ordinary people, that includes you and I. Jeremiah 1 and 5 says this, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nation. And he was saying to Jeremiah, a young man, Jeremiah, don't tell me about what you can't do. Don't tell me about why you're not qualified. Don't tell me about why you don't have a, a, a long resume of all the things and the accomplishments that you have. I'm not looking for resumes. I'm not looking for who you know and what your last name is. Jeremiah, I knew you even before you were born. While you were yet in your mother's womb, I chose you. Think about that. That's amazing that God had a plan, a purpose, and a path for Jeremiah's life, and he wasn't even on this earth yet. And if he had that kind of a plan for Jeremiah, I guarantee you, God is not a respecter of person. That what he's done for one, he will do for another. He has a plan, a purpose, and a path for each and every one of our lives. And our job is to find out what that is and then embrace it with all of our hearts. And then John 15 and 16, you did not choose me. But I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. Sometimes we have this notion that we chose God. God, I choose you to answer my prayers. I choose you to, for me to give you a list of to-dos that I need you to do. I choose you to do this and that. And God said, time out. Wait a minute. I chose you. I sought after you. I saw you. I see your potential. And so I have chosen you, and you didn't choose me. When Jesus was choosing his disciples, he didn't just choose them randomly. He just wasn't sitting on a park bench and watching people go by and say, you, you, and you, come here. He was, it was intentional. He had a purpose in choosing his disciples. And when he said, follow me. He initiated the relationship. He went to them individually and said, follow me. He is the one who sought them out on his own to make them disciples. If Jesus handpicked his disciples, how much more do you think he's handpicking you for the task that he's calling you to do? When he picked all of those disciples, he knew what their end was going to be. He knew that they were going to suffer. 
He knew that they were going to be persecuted. He knew they were going to die for righteousness sake. He chose them because he knew they were going to be all in. He knew they were going to struggle. He knew they were going to fail. But he knew when he said, I have prayed for you. He knows we're going to have challenges in life. But that doesn't keep him from choosing you. When we fail and fall, get up, dust yourself off, and get back on the task that God has called you to. Gospel singer, Danabelle Hall, she sang a beautiful song entitled, Ordinary People. God chooses ordinary people. The song is extremely powerful and theologically accurate because God chooses ordinary people. Who are the ordinary people that God chooses? What separates them from anybody else? Ordinary people are people who are willing to give it all. Not part of it, not half service, not just Sunday morning service and Monday through Thursday, Saturday, you do your thing. People that are saying, God, I am all in. However you use me, it is going to be okay. Ordinary people are people willing to give your all, no matter how small it may seem to you. Sometimes people say, I don't have much to give. I'm not gifted in that area. Who wants this little talent that I have? And God is saying, give me what you got. Give me what you got. Well, Lord, I'm going to wait until my payday comes in. I'm going to wait until I get a little bit more educated. I'm going to wait until I build up some reserves. And God is saying, I'm not asking for the reserves. I'm not asking for your education. I'm asking for you. I'm asking for your heart. I'm asking you to be all in. I'm asking you to commit to me. And when we do that, that's when he chooses you because he knows that you're all in. Little is much when we place it in the master's hand. How many of you know that your money didn't quite go to the end of the month, but all of a sudden it looked like it just kind of stretched out and got you to the end of the month? When you put your little stuff in God's hand, he expands it. He stretches it. The cover was bare, but somehow it stretched to the end of the week because you said, God, only you know. God, I give my family to you. I give everything that I have to you. And God increases. God is about increase. God is about multiplication, but he needs you to give what you got into his hand, and then he increases it. The scripture is full of people who were doing terrible things before they were used by God. And sometimes it's hard to believe that because we look at all these biblical characters and we think that they were always saved, that they always had a relationship with God, but that's not so. Many of them had issues before they knew God, but in spite of their shortcomings, God used imperfect human beings to extend his influence in the world. And I don't know about you, but I am so glad that God uses imperfect human beings because I'm one of them. I'm so glad he uses people to have challenges because I'm one of them. I'm so glad he uses people to have problems and issues. I'm one of them. Because if I had to give an account for everything that I did wrong, I wouldn't make it. If you had to give an account for everything that you did and had Jesus not died on the cross and say, give me all of your sins, I'll carry the load, none of us would have made it. He uses ordinary people, people who have had problems 
to influence other people with problems. People who, in fact, have just went wild and, and had all kinds of issues, emotional issue, issues, mental issues. They had challenges in their lives. They had issues where they needed to get involved in celebrate recovery programs and all kinds of other programs. There were people in the Bible that you'd be like, wow, and God used them? God said, yes. When you come clean, he takes all of your sins and your burdens and your past and the things that you've done wrong, and he throws them into a sea of forgetfulness, never to hold it against you again, and then he puts a sign out there saying, no fishing. Don't you go digging up your past. Don't you go down memory lane having pity parties and all of that. When God sets you free, you are free indeed. Let's take a look at some of these biblical characters that had issues. And the first one that pops out to me was Moses. Moses, God's deliverer. But Moses was a murderer and Moses was a fugitive. Murderers seem to have common occurrences in biblical characters and authors such as David and also with Moses who had to run for his life because he murdered an Egyptian. And in his running, he had to hide and he spent 40 years in the desert region. He was a murderer. In his mind, his, he justified what he did because Someone was being misused or disenfranchised, and he came to the rescue, but he had a past. And then another thing that Moses had a problem. He had a speech impediment, couldn't put two words together, and he had issues. And you say to yourself, how can God use someone with a sordid past like that? Why, would God, why wouldn't God go find somebody else that had a clean resume, had a clean history? God said, I use imperfect people. I call them those things that be not as though they were. Moses became an instrument that God used. God used him. Moses had issues. God, I can't speak. I can't talk. I got all kinds of issues. Now, God has already equipped him. God has said, Moses, I, I've chosen you. Stick your hand in your, in, your, in your shirt and pull it out. It was withered. Stick it back in. Oh, it was made whole. Man, you're going to do great. Take your staff and throw it down. Turn it to a serpent. Pick it up. It turned back into a rod. God equipped him with what he needed, but inside he didn't feel worthy. I can't speak. God got a little ticked off. He said, Moses, let me tell you something. You got a brother, what's his name, Aaron? Go get Aaron. I'm going to put him with you. He's going to do your talking. I'm going to talk to you, and you're going to talk to him. Now go do what I told you to do. Sometimes we try to give excuses why we can't do anything. And then sometimes we want to go handpick somebody else to go do what God wanted you to do. Well, oh, can you ask sister so-and-so down the street or brother so-and-so? They're already involved. Let them go. I chose you. You got to own it. You got to step up to say, God got a reason for choosing you. He's, there's a reason why you live where you live. There's a reason for the neighborhood that you live in that he placed you in. There's a reason you live in Sacramento for this season. There is a reason and a purpose to everything God does. And when we understand that, and when we embrace that, then we understand that God's got a plan. 
He has a purpose and he has a path for each and every one of our lives. And it's different than your neighbors. Sometimes we like to do group stuff. God tell you to go do something and you want to go get five people to go with you. Come on, God told us to go do this. No, he didn't tell us. He told you. And you want to make it sound like he told us. He didn't tell us. He told you. God said, I called you. I called you specifically. I called you for your passion. I called you because you have an A-type personality. I called you because you don't take no for an answer. I called you. You know how to get people straight. I called you because you know how to make them answer you and give you an answer. You don't quit. I need that personality because when you come to know me as Lord and Savior, you're going to tell the devil, take your best shot because I'm not going anywhere. You're going to tell the devil, get out of my house. There's no welcome mat in my home. That spiritual boldness comes out. God said, that's why I chose you. That's why I handpicked you. Just ordinary people. Moses went and did what he had to do. David, he was a great king. We think of David, and we always use that scripture, that David was a man after God's own heart. And yes, he was. But David was an adulterer. David was a murderer. He had a man killed because he had eyes for his wife. He could have chosen anybody else, but he chose this woman that was already married and plotted to have him killed. And you say, God, how can you use a person like that with that kind of history? We live in a culture today that that was on somebody's resume. You'd be talking about next, next, can't use that one, can't use that one. But God said, I look past resumes. I look past what's on the surface. I look at the very intent of the heart. And the Bible talks about David, that he prayed an amazing prayer. And I'm so glad that in Psalms 51, David cried out, knew he had sinned, got in sackcloths and ashes, wouldn't eat. He said, I got to come clean. I got to make this thing right. And he said, have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. He, he came clean. He laid it bare before God. And then that's where you hear God saying, that's a man after my own heart. That's a man that admits his wrong. That's a man to say, I'm willing to pay the price for my sin and whatever the consequences are. I'm willing to pay. And there was a price. David lost a son. But after that, got himself up, washed himself, took off those sackcloths and ashes, and got before God and said, God, can you still use somebody like me? And God used David. He became an amazing king, chosen to make a difference. Paul, the apostle, he was a persecutor of the Christians and the church. And Paul thought he was doing the right thing for the king and for the synagogue. He was hunting down Christians, and Christians had to go on the ground, and Christians had to do things in secret and had to have house church. They couldn't have open-air church because you had people like Saul going after them. And so he was an accuser of the brethren. And before his Damascus experience, he was hunting down people that followed Jesus, hunting them down, wouldn't take no for an answer, 
killing people because they wouldn't dis disclose. Do you know any Christians? Are you hiding any Christians? And many of them lost their lives protecting Christians. And God said, I can use a man like that. He's just misdirected. He thinks he's doing me a favor. And so when that light shone on him and he fell off of that mule, and God said, Saul, why are you persecuting me? He couldn't understand what was going on. He said, who is this talking to me? I am God. I'm the one that made you. I'm the one that created you. Why are you persecuting me? Because when you persecute the saints, you are persecuting me. God saw his potential. God saw his passion. God said, I can use a person like this. And told him, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go to a house and knock on the door. And Ananias is going to be there. Now God had to touch Ananias. Ananias, you're going to get a call. He's going to come knock on the door. Who is it, Lord? It's going to be Saul. Lord, no, Lord, absolutely not. Do you know what his reputation is? We're all going to die. He's going to kill every last one of us. But Ananias understood that when God asks you something, and you want to be all in. You know why God called you. You know why God is using you. So Ananias had to be obedient. And, Paul, and Saul had to be obedient. That he went and knocked on the door. And Ananias said, I was expecting you. Why? Because God gave him a hands up. And he said he reached out and touched his eyes. That prosecutor of the saints, that prosecutor of the church, became the world's greatest missionary. Seeking souls, witnessing and sharing the gospel, gave his life for the cause of Christ. Two different personalities, but God said, when you give over to him, all things become new. You're a new creation. You're a new person. You, you think differently. You walk differently because Christ has made a difference in your life. Saul was later named Paul, meaning small or perhaps humble, because Saul means destroyer. When you have been chosen, your past does not define your future. When you've been chosen, you're going to have some friends looking at you strange because they knew what your past was. They knew you were something else. They knew when people saw you, they went the other way. They knew you didn't have any compassion and you didn't care about others. And then all of a sudden, they see a changed person in front of them talking about, I love you. I care for you. What can I do to help you? That's the change people want to see in our lives. They want to see that sinner that is now a saint, that sinner that is now compassionate and caring for others. God changes your life that you don't have to toot your own horn. People will see that there's something different about you. He calls the least in the eyes of the world so that he is most glorified. Don't ever... Think that God takes a wink at sin. He doesn't. But when you make a change, those sins are forgiven. I think about Gideon, low self-esteem, probably never really made eye contact with you when he's talking to you, looking on the ground, looking away, didn't feel good about who he was. Gideon even confessed. He said, you know what? I am the least in my family. And the least in my tribe. And God is looking at Gideon like, tell me something I don't know. 
I made you. I created you. I know what you're thinking. I know what you're feeling. Tell me something I don't know. He calls the least in the eyes of the world so that he is most glorified. God is not looking for size or strength. He looks at the heart. God told Gideon, how many men you got? I got 300 men. But the army he was facing was 135,000. And Gideon is like, God, how are we going to, with just 300, defeat 135? And God said, but when you're in my hands, when you obey what I ask you to do, little is much in the master's hand. And Gideon, with just 300, defeated 135,000. That's a miracle. That's proof that if God is for you, he's more than the world against you. That's the kind of God that we serve. Jeremiah, he was called the weeping prophet because he was weeping over the sins of the people. When God called Jeremiah, called him and told him that he was going to be handpicked and that he had potential. But then he also said, Jeremiah, let me just tell you up front. The folks that I'm sending you to, they're not going to listen. The folks that I'm sending you to share the gospel, they don't want to hear it. And I was thinking in my younger years as a young evangelist and as a young pastor, you're excited about going to share the gospel and you want to preach and then you look at the results. You want to preach and then the altars are full. You want to preach and you hear folks say, man, that was powerful. And God is saying, you're not going to get any of that, Jeremiah. They're going to be looking at you like, who brought you in today? Nobody wants to hear that message. Nobody wants to be a part of that. But because Jeremiah was all in, he was obedient to what God was asking him to say. He said, they're going to, be, they're going to reject everything you say. But Jeremiah did the best he could, understanding that God said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. In fact, he told Jeremiah in Jeremiah 1 and 7, don't say that you are only a youth. For to all to whom I send you, you shall go. And whatsoever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. He was young. He was apprehensive. He needed help. And then Jeremiah 1 and 9, so the Lord put out his hand and touched his mouth. And the Lord said to me, behold, I have put my words in your mouth. In other words, young man, you got this. Young man, if I'm for you, I'm more than the world against you. Always remember that God never winks at the sin, but he does not preclude or disqualify you because of your past, because of your inconsistency. When we say yes to his will, he equips us. He gives us what we need. He's a thousand steps ahead of us. God wants to use you. God wants to use your family in spite of your past sins or failure because he uses ordinary people. You're an ordinary person. You're capable of extraordinary things. We are ordinary people. Think about your day. Think about your week. What does that look like? You wake up in the mornings like any other morning. Perhaps you get ready for work or school. Maybe you have children to take care of, trying to get them ready. 
post-COVID, it's kind of hard to find babysitters and childcare, and you're struggling as a single mom trying to make all these, juggling all these plates. Maybe you walk down the block to run some errands. Maybe you catch the bus. Maybe you sit in traffic an hour, spink, sipping coffee and listening to talk, radio talk shows, trying to get caught up on the latest happenings. Maybe you do the same thing every morning as part of your routine. You don't have to think about it. You just know that's the routine that you get up every morning. You set the clock to get up at the same time every morning. Some days you feel perfectly happy the way things are. You say, wow, this is a great day. But then there are some days you feel ho-hum, like you're just stuck in a montonious pattern, this regular existence. Yes, you know you're blessed. Yes, you know you are unique, but you know you can't fly, and you can't perform miracles. You can't save the world. You can't speak with a voice, with a loud voice enough to spread thousands of people to greatness. You're not a goddess. You're not a superhero. You're not perfect nor strong enough to lift 10,000 pounds. You're an ordinary person going about doing ordinary things. Sometimes you wonder even, is there a point to all of this? I feel like I'm on a treadmill. I'm moving, but I'm not really going anywhere. Sometimes you wonder what is the purpose of it all. But you got to come to yourself. You got to understand that you were meant for more. You were meant to engage with others. Relationship, fellowship. We're not nocturnal creatures. We're meant to be around people. We're meant to engage people. We're meant to have conversations with people. We're meant for learning truths, meant for relationships and connections and triumphs. And that's what Submerge was all about, just getting together, doing something together for a common cause, getting to know. I got some telephone numbers while I was out there. Introduced myself to folks, asking them, how long had you been to Capitol? When Pastor Rook is signing books in the lobby, I'm talking to people. How long have you been here? And I was surprised to hear people say, I've been here 10 years. I've been here 20 years. And I just want to introduce myself to Pastor Rick. Getting to know these people, putting a face with a name. And that's what he wants all of us to do. Where you sit on Sundays, do you sit on that row every Sunday? If so, do you know everybody on that row? If not, next Sunday, introduce yourself to everybody on their row. Find out something you didn't know about them. Ask them their name. How far do you live from the church? Do you walk? Do you commute? Get to know that individual. That's the connectivity that we need with each other. We go from triumphs. And we fail so that we can grow. We fail so we can share our challenges with others so we can grow together. You were meant to ride roller coasters. And I've, my twin grandsons just came from a big water park and they had a blast with other kids they didn't even know. Meant to enjoy life. In the, so many of us live beneath our privilege, but we were meant to enjoy this journey, enjoy life. We were meant to sing at the top of your lungs. You were meant to laugh with your children and fall asleep under the stars and dance in the sun. When was the last time you just had fun? When was the last time you enjoyed your family and took a staycation or a vacation? You did something that just brought joy and peace. When was the last time you did that? You were meant for more. 
You were meant to celebrate the little things simply because you were meant to live and to be happy. We have so many opportunities. We're coming back after COVID, trying to find our footing, trying to find where do we go? What is the church supposed to look like moving forward? Capital Christian Center 2.0, what is that supposed to look like? We had an assignment pre-COVID, but I believe God has given us assignment post-COVID. Not to come and sit, not to find our perfect pew and just own that pew. But I believe God is saying the church is out there. The church is where you live, is in the community. The church is where you work, where you shop, where you play. That's the assignment he's giving us to come here and get full, but to go out there and give it away. To go out there and come and get empty. You don't want to come back in and your tank is three quarters. I'm like looking at you, where you been? Who did you talk to? You didn't use much of that spiritual gas. Come back empty. Come back on fumes so that you can get filled again. He chooses the ordinary. We've got growth track. It's a four-week experience that includes membership, volunteering, spiritual gift assessments, leadership training, and community involvement. You can leave here today and there's Folks out there that want to talk to you about growth, growth track, how do you get involved? Do you know what your gift set is? Do you know what you're good at and passionate about? We can help you with that. Getting plugged into ministries that you feel like you have a passion for. Want to be a leader? We can help you on that track as well. But we need you to say, you know what, Lord? You've chosen me. I'm just an ordinary person, and it's time for me to get busy. We've got women's ministry. We've got men's ministry to meet every week. We've been on Zoom, but we're coming back into the building. Coming back because that's where relationships. Zoom was great. And to all of you who own Zoom, thank you for being a part of that. But our prayer is you're going to come back and be a part of this family here in this building and find out what God has called us to do together. We've got Celebrate Recovery that has been a tremendous help for so many just to come alongside to help those that are coping with some of life issues or some of life challenges. Post-COVID has brought trauma. Post-COVID has brought stress to families and relationships, loss of jobs, loss of housing. And people are saying, I just need to be in a group. I need to be with like-minded people walking through the same stuff that I'm walking through. Celebrate Recovery is that place to land where you can have that anonymity, that space where you can talk about what you have in common and to pray together and say to one another, we're coming out of this. Our best days are still ahead of us. God's got a plan and a purpose and a path for our lives and we're going to embrace it. Connect groups where you build lasting relationships. We're putting together connect groups. We're looking for leaders, some who can open up their homes and say, I can house four to five people in my home. I can be trained as a connect group leader. You can go out there and find out how to get plugged in and how to get started with that. The truth is God has carved a path for each and every one of you. And the path is distinct, tailored made just for you. The path is special and it's ours. You own it. It's for you. He has made a way for us to shine and he's made a way for us to share ourselves you have a story that somebody needs to hear. 
And he's creating a path for you to share that story. He's creating opportunity for you to reflect the Christ in you onto everyone that you come in contact with. That when they hear you, they're hearing him. When they see you, they see what they could be in him. He's making that happen because we're just ordinary people. Maybe the coworker that you see every day needs a prayer. Maybe you can say, how can I pray for you today? They may look at you a little funny at first, but they know deep down inside, boy, do I need some prayer. And when you say, how can I pray? It could be something simple. And you just say, thank you. I will be praying for them. Maybe that moment at the stop sign where you handed the homeless man or woman a few coins to help them along the way, to ask them, how can I pray for you today? And just being able to pray for them. And many times they want to tell you their story, that they weren't always like that. But because of the economy and because of COVID, they found themselves in that situation. And for someone to give them more than a coin, but to give them hope, oh, that's the individuals God is looking for. Maybe that job that you want, maybe it's the job that you hate, but God is making you resilient and preparing you for a future career that you are destined for, chosen, ordinary people. I consider myself in the same class that Paul wrote about. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no one may boast in his presence. That includes you. That includes me. Romans 8, for we know that God causes everything to work together for good to them that love him and to those who are called according to his purpose. He has a purpose. And he's calling you. He's calling you today. He's saying, I'm knocking at your door. But the handle is on the inside. You've got to open the door to that knock in your heart. And he's going to say, I'm so glad you opened that door. I've got stuff. I've got things that I want to tell you about your future. The future of your children. Those unsaved loved ones in your family. Those ones you've been praying for a long time. And have just kind of put them on the shelf. God is saying, get them off the shelf. Dust it off, those dreams that you had. Get them off the shelf because I've chosen you for greatness. I've chosen you for such a time as this. Maybe you're sitting here today. Maybe you're online. Maybe you're saying, you know what? I want today to be different. I don't want the same old, same old routine. I want God to do something extraordinary in my life to mix it up. If you're here and you say, I don't, I've not really made a commitment. I'm on the fence. I'm still exploring. He's saying today could be your day that he's saying, I've chosen you. Maybe you're online sitting on the couch, sitting in your car and say, you know what? I can do better. I know God has a plan and a purpose for my life. And I know he's been tapping me on the shoulder, but I've been kind of avoiding him. Today is the day to make it real and to come clean. You can text 916 884 5756, 916-884-5756. And we'd like to connect with you, like to send your Bible so you can have something personal where you can get into the Word. There's a guest card in the seat back in front of you. 
You can fill that out. I've decided. And take that back to Connect Central. We'd like to give you a Bible. And just let you know that we care, that this place could be home for you. God wants you to be the best version of yourself. God wants you to be a part of a community, something bigger than yourself. God wants you to take that challenge to say, God, what is my assignment today, tomorrow, this week, in my own personal home, for my children, my spouse, my coworkers? What's my assignment? And God is saying, I'm glad you asked that question because I have a plan for that person that you're going to talk to. I have a plan for that person that you're going to hand something out to. They need to know who I am. And I need your arms. I need you to be my arms extended to your community. I believe God is going to transform Sacramento and this community because the church is going to get excited. The church is going to get, shake off that old fallow ground. Break up that old fallow ground. God created me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence. And oh God, don't take your Holy Spirit from me. That's what he wants to hear from us, that we're all in. Not partially, but I'm all in. Little is much. God is saying, whatever you got, whatever you're gonna give me, give it to me now. Don't wait till your payday comes in. Don't wait till your inheritance come in. God said, just give me what you got. I just want a pure heart. I want a committed life that you're all in because I have a plan, I have a purpose, and I have a path for your life. I want to enter today with some worship songs. That as we begin to worship, I want you to make it personal. God, it's just me, me and you. I'm standing in the need of prayer, healing in my body, my mind, my soul, my spirit. I need a refilling and a watching and a cleansing. I need hope. I need to know that my future is bright. And I'm standing in your presence, asking you to shine heaven's spotlight on me. Even in your homes, he'll shine heaven's spotlight right where you are. And show you the things that you need to correct, things that you need to bring to the altar. So as we begin to worship, you have that one-on-one -on -one with him, and God will begin to speak to you about you.